Hello everyone and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. And a very special Wednesday Night Live since this is the last one of the year 2020. For those of you who just dropped in from Mars, <laughs> my name is Ron Crawford. I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas, and it's a privilege to be able to reach out to my congregation and to our Saints Network family on this really momentous point in the timetable of the Lord. I, I know that very often people look at the turning of the calendrical year as a time to make resolutions and, you know, to take a, a cursory evaluation of their life and decide how they want to make it better or what they should have done differently. I know that that's a normal thing. And I guess in some ways it's, it's good. I'd like to see the data as to how many resolutions are actually carried through. But be that as it may, that's what usually happens at this time of the year. And then, you know, there are those who are prognosticators. They try to look through the lens of the future. I remember when I was a little boy going to the grocery store with my parents. And at the checkout counter, there would be a rack of uh, magazines. And usually there'd be two or three with um, predictions for the new year. At that time, there was a woman named Jean Dixon who would really sell a lot of newsprint by her predictions. And, of course, the funniest ones were uh, the National Enquirer because they, they would predict men landing from Jupiter and, you know, all kinds of other funny things. Satan escapes from hell. You know, those kinds of crazy things. And, of course, you know, we as Pentecostals, fundamental Bible-believing people, deemed all of that to be demonic. So I, uh, I know that the devil uses that, but for me it was mercantilism and it was just kind of crazy, crazy things. And um, But I would kind of give it a sideways glance and just kind of chuckle. But it's rare that we would have a calendrical turning of the year falling in conjunction with a really strategic moment in the timetable of God. And we're in one of those moments. Now, for the past number of weeks, the Lord has been bringing words to all of us from his scriptures Ramo words uh, that say you need to take account of what God has done. You need to you need to evaluate how He has been moving, and you need to come into a new measure of relationship with Him that He is offering at this timetable based upon how you have walked with Him in in the past. And you need to really begin to ask him. In fact, our, our progression this week is based upon the study in the Old Testament about the word sha'al, uh, translated most often as ask. 
And um, I remember when God first started talking to us about this, it was many years ago, and I, I wrote a book called Ask of Me, and we had a seminar that was titled that. And I remember during that time, there was a very precious saint who was undergoing some some terrible physical challenges. And I remember going during the lunch break of one of our seminars to the intensive care unit and standing over this saint and um, really applying what God had been teaching us. And I felt my, my heart open and I said, Father, I ask of you that you will restore the health and vitality of this one and keep this one alive. I don't believe it's your time to take this one home, but death seems to be circling this, and I ask that you'll intervene. And many years later now, this one, not saying has been like Wonder, Wonder Woman, but this one has been functioning in vitality. And I know that that was a miracle that God granted. And so it's been many years since we studied this. And you say, well, I didn't hear the teaching. Well, are you, are you really at this point unable to study the word for yourself? I mean, can, can you look up, ask of me, find that, click on that word? where it pulls up in the Hebrew, and then do a search of that word. Very simple. Now, 20 years ago, that wouldn't have been simple. But now, I mean, some of you are skilled on your cell phones and iPads, and this should be zippity-doo-dah for you. So look at how that word is used, but recognize that it means a, a measure of intimate relationship with God. It's the privilege of kings. It's the privilege of being in close commune with someone in your interactions. And so we've been looking at that. It's our directive for first Saturday, which is coming this Saturday, our prayer time that connects the saints outposts around the world. We all come together, usually most of us on a Saturday, but some even into Sunday. And um, we spend time around a general theme and then uh, many will send in observations that the Spirit has shared with them. And we collectively put them together and gain a, a really an international prophetic word, an assessment for the whatever it is that God has been wanting to share through us what we've been praying about. And you say, well, I don't understand how that is. Well, First of all, the scripture says, if you pray in an unknown tongue, ask God for interpretation. So all of our people are praying in diversities of tongues, and we ask God for insight. The interpretation there is a word that we learned in seminary, hermeneutics, and it's where hermeneutics comes from. It's how you study to present the delivery of a word. And so we should be doing this when we pray in the Spirit. We're speaking to God. He's, we're speaking mysterion, mysteries, ongoing mysteries. These are all Scripture 101. And I apologize for anybody who's not had this, these teachings, but it's just right there in the Word. So um, I sound crotchety here in my older age, don't I? 
But Jesus did the same thing. <clears throat> Not to say I'm Jesus, but we should be Christ-like. And he'd say things like, how long do I have to be with you? Are you still unable to receive the deeper things? I'd like to talk to you about more, but you can't receive them now. God help us never to be in that position. I don't want the Lord to say, you know, there are things that I'd like to be doing in you right now and through you, and I'd like to talk to you about them, but you're not ready. You can't receive them. And, and if it was just a measure of timing, you know, you're not old enough yet, Jesus wouldn't have said that. The onus was upon the disciples that he spoke to. I don't want to be in that position. How about you? So the time for us to say the elemental things of the scripture are beyond us, that, that time never should have been, and it is sure, that, that ship has left the station. And um, so look up this word for yourself. I mean, some of you have access to that book, Ask of Me. Look at it. It's not very long. You can read it. You know, I'm not reading a Harlequin romance. It's certainly not a Hallmark Christmas movie, but it's giving the scripture. I was not writing these books to try to titillate or to give somebody a winding of the stem. These, those studies were for us to have a foundational grounding in the scripture. And that's what they're for. And use them. And because, you know what I'm sensing the Lord is doing right now? Is he's still giving us new insights. I live for those. I love that. But he's... He's touching on ramas from the deeper measures of biblical understanding that he's given us. And he's, it's kind of like the workman that needs not to be ashamed. He said, okay, you're facing this right now. You need to utilize this, and you need to utilize this. And so we pull from teachings and understandings that should be hidden in your heart, and we utilize them. Sometimes I talk to, and I'm not going to go too far with this. Sometimes I'll be talking to people about things of the saints. And I know that the lights are on, but they ain't nobody home in some of their eyes. And I think, you don't have a clue about what I'm talking about right now, do you? And I, I feel badly because we love these ones. But I think, how come you don't know this? I mean, pastors that just came on board in West Africa know this. How come you don't? You know a lot of other things, but you don't know this. So we need to, we need to continue to stockpile our understandings of the scripture so that now when God says you're encountering this scenario in my the workings of my kingdom I need you to do this and this and when we see that yeah it's fine if you need to brush up a little bit but we should know these terms so when we talk about Sha'al yeah we taught about that several years ago but it's available in the bookstore it's available online it's available archival teachings are available I think we even did something of this with Pneumatikos 101. It's there for you. So be familiar with it. But for us today, it's the principle of intimate relationship with God. It is 
where you are in deep commune with him. Nothing else, not your position, not your status, not your accolades, not what everybody else thinks of you. It's just you and God alone. And he comes knocking at the door of your heart and he comes in. And there you are in your the white linen of the saints. Sha'al is where derivatively the word for shawl comes from. Don't ask me for a chapter and verse. And if you, if you do, I'll ask you how the word woke, which I've known all my life, I, I'm, I wake up every day, has suddenly become aware of injustice. You, you show me how that happened in a book, and I'll tell you how shawl came out of Sha'al. But the point is, God wants to speak to you, and in that framework, you discuss with him. And it, Sha'al, we talked about this a little on uh, Saints Radio yesterday. Some of you don't like the chit-chat, so I'm repeating it for you now. Uh, when you're dealing with grace and supplication in the Bible, and you have prosuke understandings, that is usually what God is telling you about things that you are partnering with in him. And he is giving you insights, and they're applicable for the path you're going through, but they're also instructive, they're reflective. And it's amazing with Sha'al how many times in the Old Testament grace is immediately linked not just the theme, even though there are many verses for that, where the theme of grace, in moving forward, moving upward, is linked with Sha'al. But just flat out, here's grace, Han or Hanan, and here is Sha'al. They're in the same verse or in the same contiguous verses. And so the difference between Sha'al and like a prosuke is prosuke understandings come in regard to where you're partnering with God. Sha'al is when God comes and says, I want to do this thing. Uh, I want to commune with you about this. This is in, in my intention for the coming days. This is what I want to do. And it's not like we're asking God, Oh God, I come to you now and I'm declaring and decreeing and I want this and that. Because God has already intended to do this. He's just looking for someone who will lift their voice in that intimate setting concerning what he is going to do, what he wants to do. Ask me, Shaul, of things to come that are immediately before. Ask me in the time of the latter rain, for the latter rain, and I will energize you as lightning in the clouds, and I will give rain. Those kinds of verses where God's going to do something and he's wanting to express this to you, and he's wanting you to come into alignment with it. So it's not like you're, you're begging and pleading God to do something, or you have to put together a three-page theorem on you know, how to convince him to do it. Sha'al is an intimate discussion in, in friendship with God. And you begin to talk about these things, and your vocalizations and your entreaty is what God uses, everything begins with a voice, to ignite a future pathway. 
or something that he in, in immediacy is ready to do. God always wants to partner with us. God always wants to, he searches for an intercessor in a Paga moment. And God wants to, um, to have our agreement. It's, it is really a measure of intimacy to have agreement on that level. In the natural, sometimes God will let us have that together as intercessors. And there's no feeling in the world like that. It's not like you get together with your spouse and you have to make a decision and you sort through everything and you say, okay, we're in agreement. This is what we're going to do. That's agreement in a natural basis based upon um, logistical facts and scenarios. In the depth of the spirit, that kind of agreement is priceless. And if two or three of you agree, it's touching anything that they shall ask, it will be done. That symphoneo of coming together, everyone playing their part. But this is with God, this Sha'al. And um, so what, what we need to do is recognize that we're in a, a season, a window of time, a, a slice of time, a crucial moment. And we don't need to be like Jacob who said God was in this place and I didn't know it. God's in this place. So you have some downtime here in Dallas. It's supposed to be nasty weather. Looks like we're in for nasty weather coming on um, New Year's Eve. Of course, you never know. You know, it, it, here in Dallas, I've said this before, it's really kind of comical. If there is even the hint of snow or sleet, you'll start hearing about it three weeks in advance. And I think, what, what are you talking about? I mean, at least up in the Northeast, you could see currents that were coming either from the South or you could see them barreling across the, the, the Great Lakes and they were coming down and you say, okay, by tomorrow it's going to be doing this. And there it is. Whether it's six inches of snow or whether it's sleet or whatever it is. Down here, it's like uh, the three things. The Cowboys winning a Super Bowl, the second coming of Jesus, and the possibility of sleet. Well, it's supposed to happen on New Year's Eve. I remember one time we had a New Year's Eve prayer time. We had one of those and we had people all over the sanctuary proskuneoing. We had music playing and we were going to pray through uh, 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 midnight. And I remember that Kelly had just been driving for not a very long time. She certainly had not driven in the snow. She's going to kick me for telling this story. But I remember that Katie and I were driving. Katie was riding with me, and we were going home in probably an inch of snow, and it was still snowing. And so we were on our cell phones, and Kelly was behind us. And I, I still can remember we were going down this hill, and it looked like nobody had driven on this. And I, I'm talking to Kelly. I said, okay. Now, you just put your car in second. Don't be hitting the brakes. Just let the momentum of the car start taking you down the hill. And follow me. You'll see if I'm... But don't hit your brakes. Don't slam on your brakes. Now, at the bottom of this hill, you're going to 
you're going to come to a stop sign. Um, if you can see headlights coming on either way, you're going to have to stop. But if you don't, you just coast through that stop sign. You'll see me do it because you may not be able to get the momentum to go back this other hill. I remember that. That was priceless. And of course, certainly we made it. It was like one in the morning. There wasn't anybody out. I wasn't encouraging my daughter to break the law. But we made it home. And I remember we parked out front because our driveway is roughly the slope of Kilimanjaro. And um, that was a, that was a memory that a dad has. And I think Kelly felt triumphant in having uh, achieved that driving home in perilous conditions. But you've got some time these next days to find some moments to be with the Lord. If he wakes you up at night and he's talking to you, don't turn over and go back to sleep. Grab on to it and listen to what he'll say and talk to him about what's coming. And this coming Saturday, we're we're coming to first Saturday prayer around the world, and we need to reflect on what God has done in um, this past year, and we need to look forward into the new. And you should have that directive soon, but let's all do it. This is not an assignment just coming from here. This is an invitation from the Lord. Um, and meet with him. So we come to the main topic of this Wednesday Night Live. And I want to encourage you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 15. And we're going to look at one verse in a very well-known discussion uh, of a miracle that Jesus uh, presented to the multitudes. So Matthew 15, verse 36. One of the things that is absolutely necessary if we're going to move in God is for us to be thankful. And, we, and to be thankful, we have to reflect on what God has done. And we need to express our appreciation to him, while at the same time remembering what was actually happening during that time and what God did for us. Uh, in the Old Testament, the primar primary word of thanks is yada, which means you're actually talking about something, yada yada. And uh, so often when God provides something, we have a sigh of relief and we... It, we, uh, we speak, oh, thank you, Lord. And then we move on very quickly. It reminds me of when Jesus healed the lepers and they, nine of them, skedaddled. And one of them came back and was on his face and gave thanks. Jesus said, where are the nine? We've been, we've been incredibly blessed during this rather tumultuous year. Um, I, I can, I listed two dozen specific things that God, that I knew God had done in this past year. One of them he does every day. And that is, I plead the blood of Jesus over my family and over my church. And with all the fear mongering and all the 
horrific warnings that we get, all of our people are well and whole, and God is blessing. Everyone's provided for. In fact, not only are we provided for, we are blessed. This has been, in all the years that I have been pastoring here, uh, this will be 34 years, 34 years in May that I will have been the pastor here. This is the best financial year we've ever had. And that's in a year when everybody's supposed to be shuttering their doors and, and cratering. And God's provided for all of you, too. That doesn't mean I'm going out, tossing out Benjamins. I mean, I, I, know, I know how to manage things. <laughs> and that's the only reason we've been able to, because I remember years where we were just, we were provided for, but it was horrible. Well, we weren't able to, I wasn't able to get paid for weeks at a time. We never held anybody else's paychecks back, so I'm grateful for that. But I'm thankful for what God has done. I'm thankful for the many different ways that he has led us and the ways that we've been able to to creatively innovate and for projects that have been done that have needed to be done for a long time. I'm just thankful to the Lord. Personally, I'm thankful. Yeah, not everything has been peachy keeny. I mean... From August, I had a couple of months of surgeries, and, and it wasn't because I was sick. You know, you may think I'm ready to keel over. It was just an, an ongoing problem that I had faced for 30 years. My father before me faced it. One of my older brothers has, and, and oh, it started flaring, and it wasn't going to get any, it wasn't getting any better, no matter how many times I bound and rebuked and believed in healing and all that stuff. I'm walking in health, but finally after, you know, sometimes the medical people, instead of just dealing with something, they try to um, do remedial things, and I appreciate that, but the, the remedial surgeries were not doing anything, and finally the main surgery happened, and all of the negative prognostications that could have happened with that surgery didn't happen. And I'm well, and I'm thankful. I am grateful to God. I am so thankful. And so I made a list of, like I said, a couple dozen of these. And these are major things, let alone the the daily things. And God has been good to us. Does it mean you didn't face any challenges? No. Is everything the way you absolutely want them to be? Probably not, but you're blessed. I don't think any of you are missing any meals. You had a nice Christmas. What else do you want? We need to be thankful, and we need to express that thanks to God and reflect back over the months. And, um, you know, God is good. He is particularly good to us, and he's positioned us. He's restored. He has um, protected us. He's been preparing us. He has been providing for us. And he is presenting us now 
for a magnificent time of breakthrough. This is not inactivity. And, you know, I, I you know, the particular surgery I had, and I'm not going to dwell on this, but there have been times when I've traveled overseas that I thought, dear God, don't let this crazy scenario erupt while I'm over here and with the only medicinal avenue I have as a witch doctor, you know, <laughs> I've got to fly 23 hours to get back home and make two uh, international airport uh, transitions to get there um, to help me. I, and God's been good. He has helped me. But it's just refreshing now to think I will never have that problem again. I will be able to go wherever God sends us and never have to give that issue, which has been an issue for over 30 years, I'm, I, I'll never have to face that again. Do you know how freeing that is? I give thanks to the Father for that. And I give him thanks for health and strength and life. Um, yeah, I know that I'm 63 years old, and I know that, you know, I, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. But I weigh the same thing I weighed when I uh, entered into college. And I'm strong. I work out every day. Um, I, I'm able to do pretty much anything I want to do. That's a miracle. And you say, sure, talking about yourself. Well, I'm needing to give thanks to God for you, uh, before you. And you need to be doing the same. Now, I'm not going to get on the phone and listen to all your stuff, but you write it down and you express it to the Lord. I'm just giving you examples. You know, some people find it difficult to give thanks to the Lord because all they can dwell about are the mountains they have to had to go over. That's what you have to do to overcome. Some people in training go out and look for mountains so they can pedal up them or hike. You know, I... I deal with my dear brother Yawali and ministry for Portugal and other places. He goes out and climbs climbs rock rock face. He's training to do that. And I, I, I bless him for that and I think why would you why would anybody want to do that? But it works every muscle in your body. They go out and look for this stuff. So the very things that you've had to face and have overcome are triumphs in God. So stop your complaining, if you are, about the hurdles you've overcome. And thanks be to God that he was with you in that valley. Um, I'm looking forward to this new year, but we've got to be positioned as we are sha'aling. We, we put the foundation of thanks before our God. Where are the nine? I don't want it to be said, where are the rest of the saints? Yeah, there have been some things that have happened over this past couple of years that I think, oh God, that was terrible. Heresy, some who walked with us are no longer walking with us. And I think, well, you know, in a way, 
I'm thankful if that was going to happen, that it didn't happen in the midst of a major campaign. And really, some of the iniquities the enemy approached and worked his way in in people, I've had to look the other way with those iniquities for many years. I'm glad I don't have to do it anymore. I bless people. But we need to we need to get our windshield clean and we need to be thanking God because he has positioned all of us. And I speak a word of exhortation into every one of you saints. We are in the heart of our Father and we're moving forward. What God has in mind and in store for, for his sons in this year to come is nothing short of of amazing. In fact, the pent-up momentum that to some degree was capped over this past year, when that breaks through, talk about old faithful, it's going to be an explosion of the goodness of the Lord. We got to get ready for that. So stop looking back uh, unless you're giving thanks. Stop lamenting. Stop complaining. Yeah, there are still challenges. Some of you, I know, have faced issues with um, physical difficulties in maybe in your spouse or whatever. Well, instead of griping about it, why don't you give thanks to the Lord? They, they could be six feet under right now. And, you know, and if you keep griping about it, maybe they'll be there before you want them to be. Because God is interested in you moving forward. I know that's a harsh thing to say, but we need to just give thanks. And Jesus was continually pro promoting a, uh, an extension measure of thanks when we came into the New Testament. And that's our old friend, Eucharistio, which means the looking forward in grace according to the perfect or the wonderful will of God. That's what the Eucharist is. And that's what Jesus said here in Matthew 15. Do you think I forgot about that? Matthew 15. Uh, these thousands of people were, were hungry. And they're in the wilderness. There's so great a multitude. And Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Seven and a few little fishes. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground and there's nothing miraculous about that. I think it was just, okay, give me some space here. I want you to sit down so you'll pay attention to what I'm going to do. And um, you can be in agreement. These people are up and moving around. That's one of the blessings of Proscuneo. As long as we're mobile, our mind will find 50 other things to deal with. But he commands them to sit on the ground. And he took this, maybe there's a prophetic measure of preparing to receive and distribution, perhaps. But I think dealing with people, this was more to just get them to be quiet and to, and to uh, pay attention. He took the seven loaves and the fishes and he gave thanks. There it is. Eucharistio. And he broke them and gave to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they had seven baskets full left over. Something miraculous about the seven. Well, it's the ways of God. But um, I, I just think that the main thing is the principle of saying, Lord, 
Father, what did Jesus give thanks for? <laughs> what was, well, how was the Eucharistio applied here? Was it about what was coming? Probably. Was it about the grace that God was going to do to, to uh, exhibit in doing something that had not been done? Probably. Was it about inspiring the hearts of people, including his disciples, of the miraculous possibilities of partnering with God? Probably. Because, you know, Jesus in Scripture only did this twice. Um, sometimes some scholars try to equate the two um, miracles of the fish and the bread, but this was only, this was twice, and the, the things that happened uh, in the identification of the particular scenarios indicate that. I'm not going to argue about it. The point is that here he is, and he's doing this. So it wasn't like every Friday it's let's be Catholic it's fish multiplying day every Friday in my high school you either had spaghetti or fish because of those Catholics and to some degree the Eastern Orthodox who weren't as stringent about their their eating but the Eucharistio was that God was going to um, demonstrate that he could provide in the wilderness for those who were hungry, no matter how great they were, no matter how many, how many people there were. It says that it was a great multitude, and uh, it says that there were 4,000 men beside the women and children, and if our meetings indicate anything, there are much more women and children than there are men. Um, so it could be that there were close to 10,000 people here. I mean, if you just came into your church or in my church or into this, the gatherings, the, the seminars that we have around the world, it's usually a two-to-one ratio of women to men. And you toss in the kids. So that's why I'm saying 10,000. I wasn't there, but I just know the way it is. You want to get men following people out in the wilderness? The women are the ones that are more prone to do that. Now, it sounds misogynistic. That's a good word. I didn't even know what misogyny was until the woke society came. How'd that word come about? I think from some Middle Eastern land, Wokistan, that came out of. So, um, But anyway, he begins by Eucharistio. Because he knew God was going to do something in a measure of grace. This word is used in so many ways throughout the New Testament. Most, most prominently um, was at the table of communion uh, where Jesus gave thanks. You know, he had given thanks. Eucharistio, he broke the bread and said, Take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Um, and... Um, you know, at that table, we're reflecting on what God has done. We're reflecting upon our partnership with him because grace always functions with supplication. God's more about the journey than he is about the, the, uh, the goal line. 
because the goal line is uh, temporary. It's not that God keeps moving the goalpost, but as soon as we come to a point of agreement and victory, we come into that seventh day where we're reflecting and giving thanks, and we immediately begin to look forward into the new. That's the privilege of sonship. So for God, the goal is really the step upon which you then uh, ascend from. So it's, it's all about the commune with him, the journey with him. And so when you come to the table of communion, you reflect, God, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for the way you've provided. And we look forward with anticipation to what is coming. And we break this bread and we say, let us as your body be in commune with you, the bread of life. And let us together move forward in grace according to your eternal plan. That's what the table of communion is. That's the Eucharist. And it's thanks. And we're here at that time. This juncture point, we, we should be doing this regularly, but particularly at juncture points in the timetable of God. Um, we knew at the beginning of this past year that God had turned the page. Things in this world were never going to be the same. This was before COVID even started. Uh, well, it was started in China before that, but before we were really uh, affected by it in the Western world. And we were saying that. We, we, we knew that. You can go back and listen to the teachings. We're not rewriting things. And um, this year has been a year of getting us ready. We still have a long way to go. But we're we're um, we're being prepared and presented. We've been provided for and protected, and now here we go. I I encourage you to go back over what I shared on Sunday morning. Uh, particularly, there were a few instances of Sha'al that really were keynote. Another one that God was speaking to me about yesterday morning, early in the morning was ask me uh, for the uh, the heathen. Uh, ask and I'll give you the heathen for an inheritance. The heathen basically in that time frame were the Gentiles. Um, I, I'm so grateful to the Lord and we have to walk in this measure of anticipation based upon our partnership with God and that we would remember all the, the, all the ways that we're aware of where he has provided for us and he has caused us to miraculously receive his touch. Um, but we, uh, we, we look forward from that point of provision to um, what's ahead. That's so important for us. So as this, new year, as this year is winding down now, if you've not already done this, and even if you have done it, look over the things that you've written about the way God has moved this past year, and I can guarantee you a couple of new ones will pop into your head, and you'll think, oh my goodness, there's so many. How did I forget about that one? 
It's been a year of unprecedented blessing. God is so good to us. He loves you. And from that atmosphere, we look forward. And, you know, Jesus, after one of these miracles of feeding the thousands, his disciples, and he got in the boat, and they said, uh, oh, we didn't bring any food. And Jesus looked at him and said, have you forgotten about the miracle of the thousands? Now, why did he say that? Was he, was he rebuking them because they didn't bring a, a doggy bag or a donkey bag of, of uh, some of those fragments that were left over? No. He, he was saying, and then he continued to talk about the Pharisees and how they just would see a miracle in the Old Testament and then they would just shrine it and they would build walls and make rules around it. They, thank God the Pharisees. Maybe I think the Pharisees are functioning in the West Coast regarding COVID. Uh, and I think they, they would try to do this to all of us. Yeah, we all need to be smart. Um, and we need to safeguard the elderly. And I know all that. I'm believing the blood of Jesus is protecting all of us. And he has. But out in the world, you know, not everybody is walking with the Lord. So we got to be, we got to really encourage them to do what they need to do. But even the high and holy Dr. Fauci admitted this past week that some of the things that he was saying were exaggerations so that he could basically cause the people to be uh, uh, to stay in line with the, the restrictions. Now that's ridiculous. I mean, and I'm not going to go down political lines, but the Pharisees were that way with the scripture. They would say if 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 uh, the law said this, well, then we need to put four or five other regulations around the law so that you don't even you don't even get even close to breaking the law. And so the, the real vitality of the law and any righteous vision coming from that was nil. And that's why Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you're not going to enter the, the kingdom. You've got to do better than just remembering what happened and enshrining it. Oh, I remember the way God moved back in 73. Come on. That's why we would tell people during testimony times, okay, we're going to give testimonies, but or we're going to give insights, but it has to be something that is current, and it can't be something that you heard somebody else teach about. And lo and behold, somebody get up, well, back in 1973, we were doing this, I thought. Jesus, help us. Yeah, and that was the problem I had. And I, I know so many of the hymns. I know the verses. I know, I've know i sung them over and over. I've led them. But the problem with most hymns is that people will sing about somebody else's experience. And if you talk about them having an experience today, uh-uh, not going there. Let's just keep on with this guy who lived 100 years ago. Let's sing about his experience. So Jesus said, have you forgotten about the Pharisees? Are you like the Pharisees? 
to where you're not able to believe for me to provide right now or for God to provide right now? Uh, do you forget what we had 10,000 people that were able to be fed and you're worried in this boat because we didn't bring a snack for 11sies? You see why he was saying that? So God wants us to converse with him, yada, and he wants us to listen to his voice and he wants us to speak with him about what he is planning, what he desires to do. The beauty of God's love is he could do it all by himself, but he wants you to partner with him. That's what he created you for, and that's the essence of Sha'al. But we must reflect. We must give thanks. We must look upon what God has done and rejoice in Him. And it's invigorating. You know, and, and there's a certain liberation that comes when you do this. You know, we've battled so many things over these past months. And God's brought us through them all. And it comes back to the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, the teaching on Mary, where she kept those things and then she pondered them. She remembered what God had done. Because if, if you don't remember, don't expect anybody else to do it for you. And then you wore a warfare based upon that. The garment of praise dispels the spirit of heaviness. And last night I was before the Lord and I realized I don't I don't have any big conflict right now. These things that some of them that have come against me, they're gone. And, and if you're not careful, you can be in that battle mode and your garments are filthy from the battle. And, and I think that's one of the principles, I believe, of Sha'al, where, you know, every battle warrior is, is filled with confusion and the shedding of blood, and you, you, you have to, that's what the Scripture says, you take those garments off, and you, you're washed by the water of the Spirit and by His Word, and you there are able to let the Spirit of the Lord assuage and cleanse through thanksgiving those, those battle positionings that you had to be in. It's kind of the old stay, saying that a scalded dog is then afraid of all water. And um, sometimes we go through things and God brings us through. It's like the old preacher said, it came to pass. Aren't you glad it comes to pass and not to stay? Churchill said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Don't stop. We've come through. Don't act like you still are in the midst of the battle. God has brought you through. And don't let that challenge that your emotions were dealing with and fears would come against you. God vanquished those things. Calm them all and learn from it. I think that's one of the measures of Sha'al that God is bringing us to and through. So, but I realized last night, you know, 
that was a major hurdle. That was terrible. This was like lingering. And the enemy would say, you know what? This is going to happen to you. It, it's, you know, think about this. Think about it. The enemy does that kind of stuff. It's not for lack of faith. The Bible says the enemy is a roaming lion seeking what he can devour. Now, we, we have defeated those strategies. And we need to, through the power of the Lord, God has done it. We need to act like we're free. And, and maybe our thanks is to specifically make a show of them openly, to parade the victory of the Lord and to triumph in him and let God not only wash us clean from the soil and the blood of the battle, but heal and reveal the musculature that's been developed through your overcoming and to give thanks to the Lord for that. See, there are a lot of ways that we, we will gain incredible victories beyond the, 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 the tangible victory if we just give thanks to God and reflect with Him. And, you know, and, and what better way than an intimate setting where you can just express your heart? Like, for instance, Father, I thank you that you brought me through this. And none of those negative things that happened to other, to other people happened to me. You've made me better and stronger. I thank you. I thank you, Father. You know, there were prognosticators that were saying that people were going to be bankrupted. And I thank you that that didn't happen. Not only didn't that happen, we're, we're all blessed. I thank you that, well, I'm sad that there are thousands of people that have died. We're alive and healthy and well. I thank you that no, none of these things, none of these diseases, none of these things have come against us. Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but you've delivered me out of them all. And let me just express my personal appreciation to you, Father, for this one. And for this one. It's amazing how invigorating that is in your spirit and in your commune with the Father. Yes, it, it, it's something we must offer to him, but you know what? We are the beneficiaries. We are. So let's do that before the Lord. As this year ends, let's give thanks and let's spend those times with God as we're moving forward into the new. Let's hear his voice. And again, things to come is not necessary. It's more uh, things that are immediately before. If you look at what that word means, as opposed to foretelling the next five miles of faith. It's the steps before you and generalizations of what the Spirit is wanting to do that we begin to partner with. We sow into that and then we reap along the pathway. Do that, will you? And remember this coming Saturday is first Saturday. I would love it if so many of my people could come to the sanctuary and pray. You know, there's no boogeymen here. You can spread out. It'd be a great way to begin the new year. And we'll look forward to 
reaching out again to all of you on Sunday morning. But between now and then, we've got a New Year's ahead. Let's invest it wisely in the heart of our Father. So, Father, I thank you for the victories, for the things you have done. As Andre Crouch wrote, to God be the glory for the things he has done. We thank you, Father, not in a generic way, not in a multitudinous, crowd-based way, not in some sanctimonious ecclesiastical phrasing, but personally, in the depth of our heart, we are thankful for you. And we express our individual appreciations to you and with you. I speak blessing over your people and over the saints. We enter into this new year confident. And you are good. We give thanks and we move forward in grace. And I ask all of this in Jesus' name, continuing to declare the blood of Jesus over myself, my church, and all of our network family. We do it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your faithfulness throughout this year. Let's move forward into the new together. So until next time, goodbye and God bless you.